All right. Who's awake this morning? Y'all awake? Hey, I appreciate y'all. I really do. Y'all are a very supportive family. Very supportive family. So uh, before I get started on anything, I do want to say thank you, uh, especially to the elders and to the staff. Uh, I mean, I'm, the staff, we all meet with Brandon every Monday, and he kind of sees how we're doing and everything. And so I want to give thanks to Brandon and, and Dave and Barry, uh, who, who really love us and, and build us up, the staff. And uh, I just thank you guys for this opportunity to, to make way to see what the Lord has. And uh, man, I just I want to say thank you to the staff too, like Raul and uh, Kathleen and, and Miss Ellen. And I mean, just everybody on staff, you guys, um, you guys are my favorite people for real. I love you guys, especially Raul. He's our, he's, he's my, I get in trouble with Raul too much. Oh, help me, Jesus. Um, I do also want to thank, uh, you know, my biggest supporter, my best friend, my wifey, my wifey. She's the best. Literally, the Lord blinded her um, when we got to the altar. We got married and she woke up and it was like, who this? So, um, man, I, I, I honestly got a, a good thing, and, and the Bible talks about, you know, uh, a man who finds a woman finds a good thing, and so uh, the Lord, my wife, she's a treasure, and so thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for always making your way to, you know, working and, and cleaning around the house, and um, current life update, we just bought a house, praise God, our first home, our first home. It's been... I mean, it's been really crazy, though. I just got to tell you, my, I mean, this is all during, I want you to imagine, this is all during Thanksgiving. We moved out on Thanksgiving. We moved out on Black Friday, and we also bought a home uh, that, well, we, first of all, let me clarify this. I, I do believe the Lord provided this home for us, but we did buy a home that was smoked in for like 20 years. It was disgusting, but uh, man, the Lord provided, and I, He's, he's backed us up all this way, and so we bought this house. My wife got sick uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and then I caught whatever she had the following week, so forgive me if I'm kind of coughing and clearing my throat. I'm kind of on the tail end of a cold, but um, that's kind of like our, our current life update in the middle of all the holidays and stuff, but uh, two more people I want to thank. I want to thank everybody that came and helped clean. Uh, Alexis is shaking her head. Yes, she was our roommate. Uh, for all the people that came and cleaned and, and helped and, and sacrificed their time during the holidays to help us out. That was, that was a real treasure. And so, uh, and my last group of people I want to thank is the youth parents. Youth parents, you guys are sometimes overlooked, and I just want to say thank you for everything that you do. We got, a, we got an awesome, awesome group of teenagers here. I see y'all smiling. Why are you laughing, Lexi? I'm just kidding. But uh, anyways, uh, before we get into anything, I, I want to pray. Jeremiah, I was watching myself uh, preach. It's, it's really awkward when you do that. I was, I was watching myself preach last year, and it reminded me of something that Jeremiah said uh, two core team Christmases ago. And he said something along the lines of, unless we ask the Holy Spirit to invade our service, then nothing's going to happen. So I just want to give one or two minutes for us to just kind of Continue worship. That's a good one. Continue worship. So 
Would you guys just begin to pray with me? You can sit, you can stand, you can flail, you can do whatever you want. But I just want to, I just want to pray. Just don't manifest. <clears throat> Come on, would you guys help me out? Lift up your voice to the Lord. Let's pray in the Spirit. Here we are, Father. Here we are, Father. We just invite you, Lord, into this sanctuary right now, Lord. Would you come and move and have your way, God? God, would you take the words of a weak man and make them your own, Lord? Would you take us into the throne room, Lord? Would you take us close to your heart? Would you bring us near to you, Lord? Holy Spirit, we hear even through worship, your beckon to us to come close to come near, and Lord, so we partner with your promise that says, if we come near to you, God, you will come near to us. Would you do that? Would you do that here, Lord? Would you break up the fallow ground of our hearts, Lord? Come and tenderize us, Lord, with the flame of your love. Would you come and douse us in the kerosene of the Father's heart? Holy Spirit, would you have your way? This morning, have your way this morning and speak to us, Lord. We're listening. We're listening, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So I want to share a little bit about my testimony. Let me go ahead and give you the title of my sermon. I was, I was struggling this week, boy. I was struggling the past couple of weeks with all the you know, all the house moving and the, the cold and stuff like that. Um, our elders, man, I'm telling you, the, our elders make it look so easy. They make it look like a piece of cake, man. You labor and labor in the presence of the Lord and, and only to give out like one or two tidbits. It's, it's labor. But uh, I want to, let me give you the title of my message. The title of my message this morning is Intimacy with Abba, the Key to Living. Intimacy with the Father, the key to living. And so let me share a little bit of my testimony. For those of you that don't know me, I'm 26. Um, I have one brother who's here on the second row who's one year older than me, Andre. Um, my mom and my dad, June and Michael. And, um, you know, we were born and raised in Miami. Miami, around that area, 954 area code, Broward County. I know uh, Ernie knows what I'm talking about. Uh, we, we lived there, and so we were not raised in a Christian home, I will say that. Um, I do believe that my parents gave the best that they could give, and they loved us the, the best way they knew how. And so we were, we were born and raised there, and uh, we, we moved to Lakeland around our, like our, our teenage years, our formative years and everything. And, uh, and we didn't know the Lord, and I had this uncle. Um, most of you guys know Uncle Kevin. I call him Uncle Kevin. He's like a dad to me. Uh, my aunt, his wife, who's another one of my uncles, his name's B. John. Uh, I would hang out with him a lot, um, my brother and I, and we would uh, we would go on these these like little expedition trips to to go find broken wood and to go uh, make things. Uh, he would have like these clients. Like we, I remember this one year we built like this white house for a cat. It was like a, a cat white house. It's huge. It was huge. Now, I don't know if you can imagine. It was huge. And, and so I remember, you know, uh, first coming in contact with the Lord through, through his life. And, and I'll never forget this thing that he did. We would find these 
old, dirty, nasty, worn down, mold-ridden, rusted nail-having two-by-fours on the side of the road, and he'd pick these things up, and he would just whisper these little things to me and be like, Mick, this is my life before Christ. This is my life when I didn't know the Lord. And then he would, he would sand that thing. He would stain it. He would, he would bend it and cut it and, and, and paste it together and everything. And then we would make White House cat houses things. And we would make all these different things like ramps for, for handicap accessibility and, and different things like that. And so um, the Lord began to encounter me uh, during this time and... Um, I remember uh, with, with all the tor- turmoil going on and, and at home, and uh, some of you guys don't know this, but I'm a living testimony right here. Uh, I used to be uh, spoon-fed until I was like nine years old. <laughs> My brother's laughing because it's, it's really hard to remember, but I, I had like this condition um, that, um, that was induced by stress, and it would, it would cause me to almost like have this like really, really, really bad heartburn. Like couldn't breathe. I had to go to the hospital, had to be put on meds, all kinds of things. And so, um, you know, when I, when I, I would go to church with my uncle, uh, B. John, and, uh, you know, the, they would preach and they would have these, these altar calls. And I just really didn't care to be honest with you. It was just something to do. And I remember him going down to the altar one day kneeling on his knees and just crying. And I looked at that and I was like, man, I've never seen a grown man cry before. Like what? Like it, it, it totally puzzled me. It totally shocked me. And, and so from that moment, I found out that he was praying for his family. Uh, I, I started to kind of cultivate this faith, like, man, maybe God can do something. Like, like he's, uh, I never thought of God before, the concept of God. I didn't know who Adam and Eve were. I'm about 13, 14, 15 years old. <clears throat> and, uh, and so I give my life to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'll give you my life if you save my family, and that's pretty much it, and what followed that in my middle school years was, is almost like the Lord kind of peeling back these layers of showing me how empty I, uh, I was without him, and so I thought I was kind of like giving God something. I'm like, okay, I'll give you my life if that's what you really want, but you got to do this for me. Here's the contract. Write it off. But when I began to continually encounter the Lord, I realized like, dude, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know why I'm alive. Like, what, what is the point of living? We, I remember in Miami, we lived in like a half a million dollar home, and we never had need. We always eight. We always had clothes. We would go to the mall. No, no exaggeration. We went to the mall like probably once a week at least and, and dropped all kinds of money. But uh, I said this last year, but you can, you can have everything and you can still have nothing. You can have everything in the world. All of your needs can be met, but deep down, deep down, there, there's this heartache. There's this longing. There's this this like cavity, uh, I think Mike Bickle says this, he says, there's a cavity of the soul crying out for something more. And so anyways, I, I give my life to the Lord and, and um, just going, I mean, I actually around 15 years old now that I'm remembering, I gave my life to the Lord again because it was like that, that wasn't really me giving my life, giving my everything. I, I surrendered to the Lord. 
And interesting enough, I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. Is that okay? Is that okay, guys? I'm going to be transparent with you. You might think this is funny, but I, I, I don't say this with any joking. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord at 15 and I started to encounter the Father's love, I fell into pornography. Seven years of my life, not knowing who I was. And part of me, I'm like, ah, this is what I want. And then this is not what I don't. It's like a dual personality. There's two things clashing within you. And, and it, it, I realized as, as I, I continued to grow in the Lord that, that it, it was his love that I really needed. I went to pornography as, as a, a, a coping mechanism. As a, you know, I was talking about belongings here. Mike Bickle talks about this, that every person, even in this building, has deep longings, deep achings that God created you to have. And the way that we go wrong is how we fulfill them. So pornography, you can look at that, and it's actually a deep cry for intimacy. It's to be known. And so anyways, I grow in the Lord. I continually encounter Him. I get set free from pornography. By the grace of the Lord, you can say hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And, uh, man, I, I worked in the warehouse straight out of high school, Publix Warehouse. I feel for any of you guys that are working there. David, right, Ricky, if you're in here, I, I know the struggle. I know the struggle. And so I worked there for seven years. And lo and behold, I'm, I'm here. And uh, I, never, I never looked for this position. Uh, I still don't. I never looked for a platform. I just, I just wanted to be faithful. I just wanted to know the Lord. I just wanted to, to be close to Him. <clears throat> and so, anyways, fast forward into youth group. The Lord kind of gave me two different visions. Uh, we're going on a year and four months being youth pastors. It's been a wild ride. We've had a lot of fun. A little bit of update about that. We've, we've, uh, we've been getting closer in friendship. We've been having awesome meals, times of fellowship, uh, we went to the conference. The girls tried to prank the guys. That failed. Y'all remember that? That was a lot of fun. Uh, we went laser tagging. I mean, we're just building community, just loving one another, meeting each other where we're at. I love this phrase. Um, this is where I, I really think I compose our youth ministry. Dr. Davis says this word. I really like this word. This is my, my word for the year. Incarnational. Incarnational. It means God came down to meet us where we are at so that he might bring us up to where he is at. I love that word. God came down from where he was to meet us where we, we are so that he would bring us up to where he is. And so the Lord gave me these, these two things, um, these two visions for the youth group. Number one was kingdom family, kingdom family. And then the second one is identity and so this is, this is me kind of setting up what I want to talk about with intimacy with the Father. But you know the, the vision is real from the Lord when uh, he tells you to shut your door and, you know, you got all these things all over your whiteboard and you're like, man, God, look at this and I got to do that and, da, 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 and all these things are on your heart. And, and I circle identity in the Father's heart. And the Lord said this to me. He said, you want to talk about identity, 
I'm coming to confront yours. You want to speak on identity, then I'm going to deal with yours, your identity issues. And I said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, help me. And so my hope this morning is that I can be an encouragement. I, this is the very last thing. Hear my heart. This is the very last thing I want to do. And I think this is why I don't want to beat you guys up. I, I don't believe that's in the Father's heart to do. He, he's not, he doesn't want to beat us up. He wants to build us up. He, wants, he doesn't want to beat you. He's not waiting to, man, you suck. You stink. You can never get it right. He's not doing that right now. I really feel this from the Lord. He wants to build us up. He wants to encourage us. So I think a lot of times, I, I'm learning this even in youth, that so many times people are stuck they're, they feel incapacitated. They feel like they don't know what to do. They're stuck in their secret sin or anything like that because I think a majority of the time we spend the, our focus looking at, okay, you, you know this is wrong and this is wrong. And, and, and can I just be honest? We really know every, all of that stuff anyways. When you come in direct contact with light, just like when you walk in here, you turn on the light, and all of a sudden, all the dark places start to be exposed. And so, what I want to do this morning is I want to turn on a light. Is that okay? I want to turn on a light. I want to, I want to allow the Lord to encourage us to, to not focus on all the bad, but to, to promote all of the things that are found in His presence. All of the, the good stuff, all of the, the, the love that is found in the Father's embrace. And so I've, you know, I've found that in the middle of kind of composing this and, and this year and, and kind of looking through all of the things that we've done, that we've been through, that the youth group, that the Lord's doing in the youth group and the staff and, and just in general. And, and, I, and I wonder to myself this question. I wonder to myself this question. So hear, hear my heart, guys. I'm not, I don't want to beat, I don't want to beat us up. I, I really want to encourage us. But we do, it's going to take us being brutally honest with ourselves to grow. It's going to take us being transparent, being real with the Lord, being real with ourselves to, to really get somewhere. And I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, doggy paddle. I don't want to uh, just kind of swing my arms. I, I really want to, Create a flow. I want us to, uh, like Amaryllis was telling me this morning, I want us to get in a river. And I want us to, to follow the flow. I don't want to swim against the current. And so I've, I've found this in the middle of moving, in the middle of being sick, just being real with you guys, that everything, even this year, all of my identity issues, all of the things to do, all of the duties, all of the expectations, all of the pressures, whether we put them on ourselves or people put them on us, they're all in contention with one thing, intimacy with the Father. And I wonder this to myself, like, when did loving Christ, when did being a Christian get so hard? Can, can anybody understand where I'm coming from? Are you, are you feeling that? When did... When did the, the, the struggle become, God, i got to find time in my schedule? Like, when did, when, when did that become the focus? When did, that, when, when did it get so hard? Why is it so hard? And why does it sometimes get harder when we're 
Christians for, for a longer amount of time. Why? I wonder that I'm looking, and I'm saying this to myself, I wonder like, Lord, what, what happened to the days that it was easy to love you? What happened to the, the days that it, it was when I came in contact with you, that first love, you guys know what I'm talking about? When it, when it was like, oh God, you're so good. You're so good. There's nothing like you. I couldn't find this at a party. I couldn't find this at the end of a blunt. I couldn't find this when I was looking at pornography. You are so good. God, your love displaces all of my identity issues, all of my fears, all of my worries, all my anxieties, all of my, I got to do this, I got to do that. So I wonder, and I, and I want us to ask ourselves this, what, what happened? What happened? When did we, this is not a slam, but when did, when did we get caught up in all of the, the, the prophetic stuff? In the, the, and, and, and again, hear my heart. This is not a slam. He, hear where I'm trying to go with this. When did we get so caught up in like, oh, that's the Lord, that's not the Lord, blah, 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 blah. Didn't Jesus simplify everything by saying this? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul. Come on. He simplified it for us. And, and in the, this is my heart, in the middle of a busy schedule, in the middle of a duty-driven, social media slamming, Trump is doing this, Russia's doing that, China's doing this, there's gluten allergies, and I mean, it's just all this garbage, all of this garbage. And it's like, now we've found ourselves, at least I have, in this contention of like, ah, why, why is it like the world is moving so fast? And maybe if I just kind of like stop for a minute, maybe everything will stop moving and then I can kind of get my bearings. And it doesn't. Am I speaking to any parents? I don't have any kids yet, but I see the struggle. <clears throat> and I feel like this is the Lord's heart for us. He, incarnational. The Lord wants us to bring us up where, where he's at. And he wants to do that by meeting us where we're at. But I, I just wonder to myself, I've, I've been asking myself, I've been challenging myself, I've been examining deep things, saying, Lord, search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. I wonder, when it was 100% and we didn't have to tell ourselves or, or jockey for position or anything like that, to obey God. It was like, oh man, I get to obey the Lord. Man, this is such a joy. Can we be real? Like what happened to that? Maybe we've never had that. Maybe you're in this room and you've, you've, you've never experienced that. Can I tell you there is a real place like that? There is a real place where it's not, you know, you look at your phone and you're like, oh man, it's that one person calling. I didn't have my quiet time at the right time today. You know, I had to vacuum up all that stuff in the living room, and uh, I guess I'll take this. Okay, here we go. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I know. I know you're going through stuff, and, 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 it, and it becomes like this convincing thing. Like, I wonder, what would it look like for a life to be led in the Spirit from the Father's heart? A, a, a life that is, that is powered, that is supercharged, just like when you plug an amplifier, plug something into a wall that's like 
sustained energy. I wonder what that looks like. And I wonder, because I know in my life that I, I've been in that place before, like what happened? When did I get duty driven? When did I step into striving? Okay, why? How? And how do I get back? Is this making sense to anybody? I feel like this is what the Lord's placed on my heart today. Intimacy is the key to living with the Father. I want to get simple. I don't want things to be so complicated. Can you imagine trying to lead a Christian like your current life with all your Christianese and, and all of our lists of to-dos and you got to know Hebrew at year two and, and all this other stuff and you got to be able to, to fathom all mysteries and could you imagine like leading a, 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 a person in the streets? Because this is the thing. Th this kind of message, the, the, at least my heart, the application of this is it, it should affect us no matter where we are. It should affect us over every generation, over every topic. It should all stem back to this one thing. It's this one thing that I ask. This only do I seek. It's to see the beauty of the Lord. To be close to Him. To be near to Him. 2 Corinthians 11 is my first scripture. 2 Corinthians 11.3. I love what Paul says here. <clears throat> Paul is ruthless. I like it. Tell me the truth. Don't sugarcoat it. 2 Corinthians 11.3. He said, But I am afraid... That just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Like I'm wondering this, like, man, Lord, in my life, take away the, 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 the fluff, the jargon, the, the status, the, all of the duties. Like, what happened? What happened? What, the Jesus that I received, was that the real Jesus? And I feel like th this morning, I, I feel like what the Lord wants to do is he wants to call us back. He wants to call us back to where things were simple and they were easy. And they were, the, you know, like when we got into the presence, when we're talking about simple and pure devotion, it wasn't like this, okay, God, <clears throat> I'll get into your presence if A, B, C, D, and you give me this, that, and the other, and I'll come to you with conditions like, what happened to the purity of like, oh, Lord, all I want is you. Because when I get up close to you and I look at you, I begin to see myself and I begin to see your beauty. And your beauty begins to just etch away at all of the scales and the nasty garbage. And I just come out shining like Moses. I want that for my life. I want a life that is led in the spirit, that is, that is marinated that is marinated, guys, that grill. You know, you got, if you, got, you want to grill a good piece of meat, you got to marinate it. I want to marinate. I want to get all the juices out from his presence. Come on, Juan. We're going to grill. Now, have we forgotten the deep love he has for us? Have we gotten distracted? Have maybe we forgotten that we deserved hell? Ephesians 2 talks about that we were children of wrath, but God who is rich in mercy. 
but God who is rich in mercy. You know what, what else I think Ephesians 2 says? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it also says, you who were once far away, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want that. I want to I live in a reality that everything is, 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 is I'm not working towards love. I'm, I'm working from love. I'm coming from a place of like the cross is in me. I'm loved. I know who I am. And it's from that place I can do everything. So this is the place, this place of intimacy that the Father wants us to live. It's the place of encounter. Here's how I kind of defined intimacy on my own terms. Nearness with God. The place of love. I would say agape love, unconditional, expressed love. The place where you can be bare. Oh, I love a place where I can be totally real with God. I, don't, I can take off my mask, my facade. I can throw away my to-do list, and I can just be. Todd White says, you're not a human doing. You are a human being. You are not a human doing. I, man, I'm telling you, in my heart this morning, I want to pop that bubble of performance. I want to pop that thing in the back of your head that says, I got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Because, you know, the reality is when you get up close to love, you're going to do those things anyways. Am I talking good? I'm not trying to. <laughs> oh, man. I don't like talking on the mic. I'm, I, I, this stuff, when I, whenever I do worship, for some reason, this comes second nature. But talking, I think the Lord's just stretching me and, and, and growing me. But um, let's continue with intimacy, place of tenderness. It's a place of tenderness where you know that if you come broken and you're in pieces, the Lord knows how to handle you. He knows how to love you. He knows when to say things and when not to say things. It's a place of tenderness, a place of security. You're safe, a place of encouragement and affirmation, a place of life and not of death, not of, not of things that are, are, are dead and ashes. It's beauty. It's life. It's living. It's a place of trust. Intimacy is a place that you know you're not going to get stabbed in the back. It's a place that you know you're not going to get trampled all over. It's a place of trust, of, of, of love. It's a place where he lives. And my favorite, it's a state of being. I don't want to paint a picture necessarily of it being like a, a place. It's, I think it's something to be caught. It's something that, that we step into that one we choose, but we really partner with the reality of God and His Word. And so the Father is calling us to come close to intimacy. I think about, man, I think about Luke 10 and Mary and Martha. If you guys remember that message that Corey Russell came and preached, I think it was this year, right? Man, that was like one of my favorite messages of the year. Like, could you imagine? I want you to imagine with me Luke 10. Jesus gets invited to Martha's house. And the Bible says that Martha was distracted by all of the things 
all of the preparations that had to take place. And so Jesus is talking, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's loving, he's fellowshipping. And there Mary is, she's just sitting, captivated, shook. She's looking at Jesus, and she's like, oh my God. And Martha is like, Jesus, I'm going to throw the sibling card in there. Don't you care that my sister is making me do all of the work? Don't you care that she's left me with everything? And Jesus, so gently, is like, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are upset about many things. But few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary chose the one thing. And that won't be taken away from her. May I wonder what it would be to, to, to live a life like Mary, where we're just, we're looking at Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, if you guys are with me, I want to be captivated by Jesus. I want to be arrested by his beauty. I wonder what it looked like when Mary looked at Jesus and she saw the flames of fire in his eyes. I wonder what it was like to sit before him and to hear him speak. There's a real place that we can get to. There's a real place that we can live in, that we can be in. And all it takes is a yes. All it takes is surrender. It's from this place that Jesus says in John, Abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. Notice he didn't say where you strive and you move without any progress and you have your doing. This is the place of intimacy, close, nearness to the Father, this reality that in Him we live and move and have our being. And I love what David Wilkerson says. These are things that I've been learning this year. He says, it's out of true intimacy that all true ministry comes. All true ministry, all, all things that really matter, all of the success all of, all of those things, they come from a place of nearness with God. And I, I, I want to create a culture, even in our youth group, I want to create a culture uh, as the Lord's doing these things in my heart. I haven't arrived. As the Lord's doing these things in me, I want to create a culture in the youth where we are intimacy-driven, where we are driven to the Father, where we're not, you know, I think there's a time and place, but we're not sitting here 10 hours on the phone trying to sort out life issues. You know, when you get in contact with the Father, He begins to sort all the garbage out. He begins to make our path straight. I think about Derek Kirkman. Derek, you've been a, a breath of fresh air, brother. I love you, man. I think about the prophetic word that he gave in talking about cutting all the fluff out. And the word for this house is, is that... The core of, of, of who we are to be as heart of the fathers is saying, God, all we want is you. Do away with the programs. Do away with the schedules. Do away with the to-do list. Do away with every other thing that gets in the place of love, gets in the way of it. 
or, or begins to erect itself in its place. Whether that be me or personalities or programs or whatever it might be. And the Lord is after this thing, the simple, pure devotion. It's simple. It really is simple. I'm learning this. And so I want to, and let me say this too. I don't want to forget this point. I felt like the Lord was telling me this. Simple is the new big. Simple is the new big. Simple is the new big. You mean to tell me I don't have to join this group and buy this book? That's not a slam against Jeremiah. That's just a joke. Uh, but <laughs> uh, we joke around this stuff a lot. Um, and, and, and you mean I don't have to do this and, and, and go through this 12-step program? I, and again, this is my heart. I just want to do away with all of that. Yes, we need organization. We need all that. But man, I'm telling you, as I look through my life, everything is connected to intimacy. I can't run away from it. We can't run away from it. We can't run away from the, the, how the Creator made His creation. We were wired this way. We were created this way. We were fashioned this way. And so the sooner we cut out all of the, the, the extra stuff, like John 15 says, he, he, prunes, he prunes all of the dead things so that we might bear more fruit, we can do that. The faster we can do that. And so I want to I go ahead and give you guys three things, if you're writing this down, three things that I found and I'm sure there's more, in direct connection with intimacy and nearness to the Father. Three things. Three, three, three things. Number one, identity. Number one, identity. I found that from this place of intimacy, I find who I really am. I find out whose I am, who I really am, and who lives on the inside of me. And it's only from that place of intimacy that we find this. Here's how I d defined identity. Knowing who you are, whose you are, and who lives on, on the inside of you. Being confident of who you are. Now think about our generation. I look at our, our generation of, of youth and, and our teenagers and our young adults and, and, and all the media, and it's like, I'm telling you, there's this thing out there like trying to, to vie for our time with the Lord because the enemy knows that if he can distract us with all of this garbage, all of the movies and the music and uh, whatever, the Facebook arguments... And, and all of the Instagram posts and all of the things you basically don't have. He knows that if he can distract us with vain imaginations and all of those things, that we'll never figure out who we really are. We'll never figure out who God's called us to be, why he created us, and to what purpose he created us for. It's when you get around Jesus that you start to find out who you really are. And when you turn on that light and you get alone in your quiet place and you begin to deal with all of your issues of, I don't really want to be in here with you, Lord. I don't, I don't really want to find out who I am because I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm disgusted. 
self-hatred. When you come in contact with an unconditional love, you begin to put, put on fig leaves and you begin to hide behind Instagram posts and, and, and facades and, and different things that we buy. You can fill the blank for your life, for our lives. But I love this, that when we, when we come close to the Father, when we choose intimacy, we find out who we are, and we find out that He loves us. He, like, it's not a surprise that he, he sees all of the things that we go through and all of our weakness and all of our deep, dark, deep, dark places, and He's like, oh, my son, my daughter, I love you. I think Song of Solomon talks about, it's like with one look, He's ravished. He is undone when he looks at us. He loves us. He cares for us. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus did not die just to forgive you of sin? That's not blasphemy when I say that. Jesus did not only die so that you would be forgiven of sin. He died so that you would have relationship with him. He died for, some, for nearness. He died so that we might know Him, that we might go back to the garden, that we might fellowship with Him. And it's from that place that we don't have to prove anything. We, we begin to find out who we really are. I love, uh, Barry, Barry was talking to me about, we, we did like some renovations the past several weeks. Boy, it's been a, I feel for anybody that does home renovation, Trey, Justin, um, I know Emery does some, anybody that does home renovation, God bless you. That is some hard stuff. And I was talking to Barry about this. <clears throat> when you begin to do renovation, there's like so much prep work before things look nice. And you, <laughs> you open up like the Joanna Gaines thing, you're like, oh, I want that and I want that, and I want it to look like this, and I want that matte black finish in the woods, and that's, that's at least our goal. And then you get to doing the preparation, and you're sanding, and you're cutting, and you're karate chopping, and you're, you're, you're trying to get all of the nastiness out of there. You don't know what kind of bugs or, or I don't know, spirits or whatever that <laughs> the people had before you when you lived there. So you're taking all of your olive oil and you're going like this. <laughs> but I tell you when, you, when you get to doing renovation, I was like, man, Barry, I got all this garbage in my garage. I'm like, man, it stinks and it smells like cigarettes and blah. And, and he's, like, he's like, man. And, I'm, and I was like, man, I feel like I'm getting a revelation. Like, I think that the Lord, like when he does prep work in my life, like it, that process takes a little longer, especially since if, if I'm very abrasive, it takes a little longer for it to get to the finished product. And Barry was like, he's like, well, you know, the thing about when you do renovation is that that garbage has to come out of the garage for everyone to see. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> help me, <laughs> help Lord. <coughs> I got to go run back to my intimate time to know who I am now. Everybody, everybody's going to see my, my junk. 
But, uh, you know, it's in this place, man, that we find out who we really are, that we, we, we know whose we are. We build this confidence. We, we, we don't have to... I, I fail to find any other words for it, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but this is... I think this is what the Lord wants to do in us. He, he really wants... Like, He's more committed to us finding out who we are than we wanting to know who we are. Does that make sense? The Lord's committed to our growth. He loves us. He wants this thing. He wants to make it easy. He wants to push away all of the other garbage that gets in the way of our identity. And he, he's not afraid to cut and to renovate all of the things that get in the way. Turn to Daniel 3. In youth group, we've been going through this series that I, I've really been loving. I think the youth have been very blessed by this. I know I have. And our series is called More Than a Kid's Story. And I love it because when I, when I first came to the Lord, I, like I said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home or anything like that. But uh, So when I came to youth group, I didn't know jack squat about Jesus. I didn't know anything. And I, I remember a lot of these PKs, a.k.a. pastor's kids, they would hang out and they would joke around and stuff like that. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm dealing with identity crisis. I'm just now figuring out that I don't really have it all together. I'm not here for games. I want to know who I am. That's the cry of our generation. It's out of all the striving and stuff. It's a cover-up. It's a fig leaf to figure out who am I really. You know, every act of disobedience, every act of, of trying to figure out who you are and all of these things, fill in the blank... They're all a deep cry, a deep longing, a deep wooing to know, who am I, God? What was I made for? Why am I on this earth? And we see that in Hollywood. People spend all kinds of money on things. And we see people OD, overdose on drugs because they can have everything but have nothing. Who am I? The Lord wants to answer that question for us. And so it's, it's this place of intimacy that we find our identity Daniel 3, in our series of More Than a Kid's Story, I've been blessed. I really, really, really love this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I was telling Brother Randy this about uh, God confidence. Like, I want to, when I get close to the Father in my life, I want to be so overflowing with power and confidence and and. There's no like whimpering or like insecurity or I'm like walking on eggshells or anything like that because we can get caught up in that. And it needs to be simple. I love what Daniel 3 says because these guys know who they are and they know who their God is. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. This is the talk. I want to paint a picture for you that Nebuchadnezzar is over this region and he's had this grand idea to make a golden statue and all of these smart people are going to come and worship it. They're going to bow down, and, and we're going to see what happens. And so <laughs> I look at this scripture, and I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the trumpet sounds at the blowing of the horn. Everybody's going to fall down. All these multitudes of people fall down, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like this. <laughs> nope. Nope. And I love it because... King Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's so nice and everything. And he's like, oh, I'll give you a second chance. 
If you, if you bow down right here, I'm just trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. If you bow down to the culture, if you bow down to the identity I'm going to give you, doesn't that sound like today? If you do all of these things, then you'll be good. And I love it because this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Can you hear the, <laughs> the, like the snarkiness? I can't help but laugh because it's so funny. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able. Can you say able this morning? The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, (laughs) that we will not serve your lowercase g gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You know, that, that's, that kind of God confidence, that kind of identity, you really got to really have something to, do, to say that and to, you're not saying that because like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to believe this. It's like a real God confidence thing. And this is our goal. This is my goal with Christ. When I get close to him, I want to be so full of this confidence that when the culture tells us to bow down, youth people, when, the, when, when your friends are telling you to, to give in to this peer pressure and that thing, and you're only cool if you do this, you're only relevant when you say this, or have this personality, or you're only cool when you know which TikTok video you can spout off at the top of your head. I'm not going to bow down, because my worth is found in Jesus and Him alone. I'm going to live up under the shadow of his wings. I know who I am and I know who my God is because I've gotten close to him. I know his heart. He loves me. Here's another scripture I really like, Romans 8, 35. You guys with me? Romans 8, 35. Holy Spirit, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's in this place, it's in this place that we we live and we breathe and we have our being, our being. Our being is that identity thing that we're talking about. Scripture is what dictates our worth, not just our emotions. Your emotions can if they're crucified with Christ. I think Watchman Nee talks about emotions aren't bad, but it's, it's the uncrucified emotions. I talked about this last year that become a stumbling block 
1 John 3, 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are for this reason. The world does not know us because it did not know Him. And with this whole identity thing, I felt like the Lord kind of placed this on my heart too, that it, it, it has to deal with heart attitudes and motives. Like when you know who you are, you really don't have to prove anything. You don't have to jump through a hoop. You don't have to feel nervous. Can I be honest with you? When I started, you know, people are asking me if I'm nervous or whatever. I, really, I've learned this year. I'm not, I'm not nervous at all. But one thing I do want is I just, I just want to be close. I just want nearness with God, and I want, I want other people to get that too because it's this place that I can just, I can just be. There's no more pressure. There's no more, like, do you, d- does that make sense? Do you know what I'm talking about? Fill in the blank. And so when we're talking about these heart motives under identity with intimacy with the Father, I think Philippians 4 tells us a great truth. It says, rejoice. In the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let me say that last part again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And so when you get up under this thing of intimacy with the Father, when we begin to tap into His love, when we begin to find out who we really are, and we don't have to prove anything, we don't have to jump through hoops, we don't have to do any of that stuff, There's this fruit that comes. There's this fruit of being loving, being of gentle. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And I had this check in my spirit. I wonder if the reason why we're not very gentle in our lives, maybe we're harsh with our speech, is because we don't know that the Lord is near. I wonder that. I wonder if the reason why we've got attitudes and we act out and we're trying to do this and do that and all of these other things, I wonder if the root of all of that, just like we started off, is because we don't know that the Lord is close by us. I wonder the things that we would put off to the side if Jesus walked up in here and we would say, oh God, forgive me. Lord, let me come close to your heart. I know you love me and you want me. Would you deal with my junk? I don't want it to get in the way of that. I don't want it to get in the way. I don't want to be like Martha and get caught up in the busyness of life. Is there anybody busy in this room today? I don't want to get caught up in the busyness of life. And it's, it's from this, the Lord is near thing. It's, it's from this place that we find out our, gen, you know, being gentle, that that the writer continues on and he says, do not be anxious about anything. Here's the key to peace, y'all. Do not be anxious about anything, but through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and He will give you the peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So it's this place of being near that we get peace, that we know who we are, and we don't have to prove a thing. The flip side of having no intimate time with the Lord is a loss of identity. It's being fleshly minded, having no confidence. I know I fit that shoe sometimes. Having no confidence, fleshly minded. 
identity crisis. And here's another one, hostile to God and hostile to the people around you. You don't know me. I don't trust you. I'm secluding myself. So that's number one, identity. I would probably say that's one of the biggest things. The reason with it being so long is because the Lord's been dealing with me. He's been dealing with my identity issues, and he's been teaching me how to trust him. That he's not this person that has painted all of these, that I've painted all these pictures to be. Number two, performance. Performance, I think, is directly connected to intimacy with the Father. I just described it like this, anything that we do. Anything that we do. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And I want to make a case that that performance marked by intimacy produces rest. Performance, the things that you do, the things that we all do, when they're marked by intimacy, we will be led in rest. This is another Brother Kirkman thing that I've been learning. You know, when you are in rest, you are spirit-led. But when you are in unrest, you are flesh-driven. Let me say that again. When you are in rest, you are spirit-led. It's almost like a pull. And then when you are flesh-driven, I got to do something. I got to go do this right now. The Lord told me I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. Here, I'll pull another uh, person. I don't think he's here. Nick Kim. He's been teaching me a a little bit about rest. And he said that, you know, in in the commandments, there's... There's do not this, don't do that, do that. But there's one thing that the Lord says, remember, because we forget. Remember the Sabbath. How quickly we forget because a life that is performance-based without intimacy is doing something, and i, I got to now prove my worth instead of come from a place of of, of, I guess, doing my worth. Does that make sense? Per, for performance marked by intimacy is, is the place where, where, where we are at our peak performance. When you are marked by intimacy, you actually do better than when you will yourself to do something. For some reason, it's almost like this one plus one synergy thing equals three. All of a sudden, the Lord just begins to get behind you. And you're, 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 you're being led, and it's not, it's not hard. It's a joy to obey God, to perform, to do things. I know performance is probably not the best word, but it's everything that I do now. It's a joy because I know who I am. And I know who my God is, and I'm loved. I don't have to prove a thing. I don't have to prove a thing when I get close to Him. I don't have to do all of this extra stuff. I want to be able, I want to have a life that, that is governed by the rest of God, that I'm that I'm living in a place where it's not hard to obey Him. It's not hard to, to do things for Him. It's not, it's not a struggle for me to uh, like figure out. I remember um, when I worked in Publix in the warehouse, 
Uh, I worked there for seven years. I worked there for seven years, and, and anybody that works at Publix knows the hard hours. I remember working, man, from like six days straight. It's a very weird schedule. Six days straight, I would clock out, leave my house at 2.15 a.m., clock in at 3 a.m., and clock out around anywhere between 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., six days straight, be off one, work two, then you'd be off like four days, really, really weird stuff. But I remember like coming home and just being so tired and knowing like, man, Lord, I know my quiet time is kind of failing. I know that, that I haven't been doing everything I have. I'm sorry. And, and then I'm confronted with this reality. It's like, man, God, I say there's part of me that really wants you. But if I were to be really brutally honest with myself, I don't really want you. I don't, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather just kind of plop on my couch and just kind of just, just chill and relax. And I know there's a time and place for that. But I wonder if there is a place where we can be so at rest with God that when we get home from a long work week or, or some kind of hard thing that we're like, oh my God, it is my joy. Like I, I get energized. Like I can't wait to get home and get in my word Oh, I can't wait to to meet Jesus. I get to meet with my creator. He loves me. And all of a sudden, like all of the to-do lists and being overwhelmed by them, it's it's like nothing. And it, it, it it gets lessened. So it's this place that we, the place of intimacy that our performance is at its peak. It's at its greatest. It's at its strongest. And it's this place of rest that we want to be led, not driven in. Because we'll per, what, what will happen when we don't have intimacy is we'll get into striving. We'll get caught up in our, our duty-based things. We'll wake up and first things first, we'll think, okay, I got to do this, I got to do that. I gotta, does anybody do that? I know I do. And it's this contention. And I and I'm telling you, like, I want to wage war against this performance thing. I want to wage war against this intimacy thing, that, th- this identity thing, that this wrestle. Like, I want to get so close to the Father that all of that garbage just fades away. So number one that I think is in direct connection to intimacy, identity. Number two is performance. For the sake of time, I'm going to kind of scoot along here. Number three, number three, obedience. Obedience. So there's three things that honestly, and it's just three things. I'm sure there's more. Um, But I can't help when I look at my life and as I'm growing and I see the people around me and and the, the things that we really behind every cry and tear and phone call and friendship and family gathering and facade and all that stuff, that we see all of these three things interwoven like they can't be ripped from one another. Intimacy marked by identity, performance, and number three, obedience. Here's how I defined obedience. Obedience, the only proper response to our Creator. Submission, humility, remaining in right standing with God. Is it not Jesus that in John 14 said, If you love me, you will obey my commands. 
If you love me, you will obey my commands. And so I've been, you know, continually talking about kind of my journey in this wrestle and where I, I really feel like the Lord wants to take us as heart of the Father and even in our youth group. Like, there's this thing where we stop getting caught up with all of this other stuff. I love what Pop Johnson said. He said, it's not about what you do in the ministry that matters. It's about what the ministry does in you. Let me say that again. I want you to hear me. When I say ministry, that's not exclusive to people that have a title. That's for people that are Christians. That's for people that have been given the great commandment and therefore the great commission. So everything that you do, do it as unto glory to the Lord. It's not about what you do in your life that matters, but it's what your life It's what the ministry, it's what all of those things, what they're producing in you. What is it doing in your life? Is it causing you to go back to intimacy? Is it causing this thing with obedience again, with uh, an unconditional (coughs) renewed yes or surrender? If you love me, you will obey my commands. I love what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah said, it's your, level, it's your level of encounter that will dictate your level of submission. It's your level of encounter. We have an encounter issue. It's your level of encounter, of intimacy, of knowing that the Lord is close, that you will submit, that you will obey. It's not out of duty. It's not out of action. It's not out of any of those things. It's, it's about just being near. Because all of a sudden, when you get near to Him, you're like, Oh, God, this is so worth it. I remember, <laughs> I remember when uh, I, was, I was working part-time at the warehouse. My seven years, this was on night shift. Actually, Corey, Corey was working with me. Boy, this is tough stuff, I'm telling you. <laughs> Try to forget. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I remember um, feeling this love for my wife, well, my, my best friend. And I was like, dude. I'll just be honest with you. I was like, dude, she's hot. <laughs> I want to make her my wife. Some of y'all selling life insurance. You need to get wife insurance. So <laughs> there's the prophetic word today. So all my single people. I had to go get some life insurance. So like I was so captivated by Sonia. I was like, man, she's so worth it. I said, God, I hate Publix. I hate working in this hot warehouse and working these crazy hours. During this time, I was on night shift. So imagine going in while the sun is coming down, and then leaving work when the sun was coming up. You were like, oh God, I despair of life, like Paul was saying. (laughs) I was like, Paul, I feel you. I'm working at Publix. (laughs) And so, uh, and I, you you know, I I got, you know, as I was getting closer, and I started to understand, like, man, she's like totally worth it. Like, I better throw a ring on it before she runs away. And, uh, and I said yes from going um, part-time to going full-time. I was like, God, I'll embrace more of this crushing, this thing that I hate, because it's worth it for the one that I love. And, and it's out of this place, man, that we, we, we get close to the Father, that we begin to obey, and it's our joy. It's not like, you know, I've got you know, to marry my wife. I've got to work real hard for that one, you know what I'm saying? And, 
It, it was like, oh man, I love her. I want to be her. I, I want to make a life with her. She's the best. Is it not that when, when Samuel, the prophet Samuel was talking to Saul, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And what the Lord is looking for this morning in us, let me cut back all of the fluff. Let's make it simple. Simple, pure, devotion. The Father wants us to come close, and He wants us to say, yes, God. Yes, Lord. But, you know, you can't say yes unless you've encountered Him. You can't say yes. You don't want to say yes. You want to continue to be driven. You don't want to be led. You want to continue to strive. Honestly, because why? It's your sin nature. It's this thing in us that, like, I have control. No, you don't. Everything in the Bible, it comes against this, this flesh thing that says you're in control. No, rest in the Father because He's the one that has control. Obey Him because He loves you and He created you and He knows you. Before a word is on your tongue, He knows it completely. He has searched you and He knows you. Two scriptures that I, I, I've loved, and I'm finishing up here. Two scriptures that I have absolutely loved, 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 that I've been, I've, I've been sticking to. Actually, three. Um, I'll spare you the, the other one I was thinking of, but John 15. John 15. Oh, man, it's so good. The vine and the branches. If I abide in you and you in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. When we abide in the vine, we produce fruit. And like when we go through this process, and, and, and I kind of want to tie this together with the obedience and process. When you're saying yes in the midst of difficulty and busyness and all of these things. And, and you can say yes when you, you know who he is and you love him. And, 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 and saying yes to process and obeying and, and not trying to give something else up. Is John 15, this intimacy th thing that we learn that, um, that it's in him that when he prunes us, he prunes us with the purpose of us bearing more fruit. God, it hurts. This sucks. I don't want to go through that. But guess what? He loves you. He wants you to grow. He's committed to your growth more than you are committed to, to your own growth. He's committed to you finding out who you are than you finding out who you really are. He's committed to you getting into alignment and not working in, in performance. He wants you to be rest-led. He wants you to be um, consumed with the Spirit. Here's my second scripture. It's Psalm 139. Almost, I feel like almost every altar call we have in, in youth, I'm like, guys, go home. Read Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is so good. It's this place that of intimacy. I, I can obey God like we, we focus on all the to-do things, and it's like, no, that's the wrong perspective. Don't focus on all, okay, you got to do this, that, and the other, and you got to, no. Get close. Get near Him. Come closer. And all of a sudden, things become worth it. It's worth it. 
You'll cry and it'll hurt, but you'll say, God, yes, because I know you're producing something in me. I'll give you my yes. I'll give you my surrender because I know what you're doing in my life. It's worth it. I look at, uh, when we're talking about the more than a kid's story, I look at um, Abram and I look at David and it's their history with God. It's this being near in proximity to the Lord that they're able to say yes. You look at Abram and he gets this promise and, and it's, it's all great and everything and then he lies and he goes through all this trial. He goes, tries to go through Hagar and Ishmael and he's old and, and Sarai is saying one thing to another and then he encounters the father again and again in the Sodom and Gomorrah thing and all the while, this promise, and God has given us these promises in our lives that he wants to assure us that they will come true if we come close to him. He wants to encourage us today. And so I think about Abram, and, and you know, he gets his promise. Isaac comes. He is the promise fulfilled. And then God says, I want you to go to the mountain and offer worship. But did you know that it's right before that scripture when they go with the two servants and the servants are there at the base of the mountain and Abraham says, stay here, just chill. And we're going to go up, offer worship to the Lord, but we'll be back. He said, we will be back. He was so confident that even if he had to sacrifice Isaac. He was so confident in the father's love, the, the history that he built with God that sustained all of his yeses and his growing yeses to this one final moment that he was able to say again, yes. And, and I'm confident that even if I do this, God's going to raise him from the dead. And if he doesn't raise him from the dead, then I won't have to sacrifice him. The Lord's going to provide this God confidence thing. It's obedience that unlocks the manifestation of God's promises in your life. Let me say that again. It's our obedience. It's our yes. The Lord's not looking for all this extra stuff that we give him. Obedience unlocks. It makes the, the promises of God real. It manifests them. It creates them. When we say our yes, when we give him our surrender, I wrote this down too. Obedience is worship. Obedience is worship. My yes is something to the Lord. It's a sacrifice. I love what IHOP said. Obedience is not the way that we earn God's love. Obedience is not the way that we earn God's love. That's the finished work of the cross. Obedience is the way that we express our love. Obedience is not the way that we earn God's love. It's the way that we express it. Yes, God, I love you. It's my joy to worship you. It's my joy to honor you. It's my joy to live in you. Chelsea and band, you guys can come up. I'm wrapping up here. I think of David and the speech that he gave King Saul in 1 Samuel. And he talks about how he was delivered from the lion and the bear in the wilderness. And he, and he was saying this thing about Goliath. 
It's this God confidence thing. I know who I am. I'm not going to wear your armor and I'm going to obey because this guy right here, he's an abomination to the Lord. I don't know who he is, but the Lord is the one that delivered me. The Lord, in my quiet time, I was, I'm able to slay this giant in public because I've been slaying my giants in private. I've been with the Lord, and he will deliver us. So these three things that I felt like the Lord is just doing in my heart, I see so many of us doing these things, and, and, and these three things, ob- obedience, performance, the way we live, and identity. And my heart this morning is I, I really want to create an opportunity for us to respond to the Lord, no matter where we're at, for us to just say yes again. Again, I, I, I wonder to myself, God, like, when did things get so complicated between you and me? When did things get so hard? When did I get duty-driven, Lord? Would you forgive me? Because at the heart of everything, at the heart behind the cross, is that you died so that you might have relationship. It's in this place of intimacy that we find out who, who am I really? That this places all of our attitudes and what we say and the tone and how we say it, when we say it. It's the source of love that we find for one another. The place of intimacy is where we find our rest and we step out of unrest and busyness and the weight of our to-do lists and expectations and striving. It's where the Lord begins to disarm our pride and saying, I got it all together but really I'm falling apart on the inside. It's a place of deep longing. And so I I really, in my heart, I want us to to respond. I want to create an opportunity to cut out all of the fluff, all of the other things that get in the way, and for us to just say yes again. To make things simple, Maintaining this place of intimacy is going to require being transparent, prayer, fasting, and fellowship with the Lord. But I want to encourage you, you can restore just like that place where, where Adam was walking with Jesus in the garden, where it, was cl- where it was closeness, where it was nearness, where it was just him and me. And I was wrapped up in his love. All it takes is a Yes. All it takes is surrender. All it takes is saying, God, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? It's not remorse. It's not feeling bad. It's not regret. But saying, God, can I be real? You are the answer. Can I tell you this morning? He is the answer. I've been learning this. I've been growing in this, and I haven't reached it yet. It's a lifelong journey. But I promise you, if you say yes today, you will set yourself up for success, for bearing fruit, for not straying from simple and pure devotion. So if that's you, if you feel like 
this message is for you or if it's affected you in any way, I want you guys to come up front. I'm not going to count to three. Go ahead and come and make your way up front. I'm going to answer my own altar call. This is for all of us to make the place of intimacy priority. Where it's a joy where this is the only thing that we really, really, really want. God, it's not a huge movement or anything like that. It's your movement in, in me. If you want to pop that performance bubble today, I want you to come up front. If you, don't, you, feel, you feel like you're struggling with who you really are, I want you to come up front. The Lord's going to deliver you this morning. I even feel like from the Holy Spirit that the Lord's going to deliver some of you from pornography addiction. I don't know who it is, but I really believe there's one person in here today. The Lord sees you and He knows who you are. He wants you. He wants your weak yes. I want to read this and then the band, you guys can play a little bit as we respond to the Lord. I want you to hear the heart of the Father today. I want you to hear the heart of the Father today, person, busy parent. Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence, Lord? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even then your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I feel like there's still some people here sitting. Guys, I just want to I, I wanna pop this, this thing. Please humble yourselves. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. I don't want to try and produce something that, that's not of the Lord, but I just feel this on my heart. I feel this on my heart. We don't really know who we are. We don't really know why we do things in life. That's the million-dollar question. Why are you alive? Why do you do what you do? Why do you have meaning? Why do you have purpose? Can I tell you, it's in Father's embrace. It's in His presence. It's in His love that we find out all of these things. And He begins to displace all of the things that get in the way.
I'm going to pray in the band. You guys can go. Father, we just say here we are, Lord, where we're at. Let us give you our week. Yes, Lord. We surrender to you again, Lord. Whether we've never encountered you before, whether we've been a Christian for 13, 25, 50 years, Lord. We, God, we just renew our yes to you this morning. We say, God, you can have your way. We long for encounter, Lord. We long to know who we are. We long to be up close and personal with you. God, would you lock our eyes with you just as you did with Mary? Would you displace all striving and fear and worry and identity issues, Lord? Would you do away with all of our self-hatred, Lord? God, put to death every lie that says you're at a distance, Lord. You are near to us, Father. You are near to us. Would you manifest your presence here? May you'd receive all of the glory in Jesus' name.